Well, hello and welcome back to the One Link Podcast. You're here listening to Brad, and with me is my main man, James. How's it going, James? It is going good. It is going good. Good. Well, we're uh, continuing some interviews today, uh, or a interview today, which I'm excited about, a new uh, new director down in New Mexico. So tell us a little bit about today's episode. Yeah, so today uh, is talk with, with Jay, uh, who's at UNM, and... UNM has been a long-term partner of us, uh, but this was Jay's first time, or last year was his first year as the director. Uh, so he came and he did something I really recommend. You know, like at O Week, we have a director's track for directors that have that are thinking about going with us, thinking about sending students new to us. Uh, and he elected not to do that, but to actually just come as a as a volunteer for the whole week. Uh, and as you'll hear him share in the interview, he he thought that was a really great decision and. And I applauded as well. Um, I think he got a much better feel for us. And we got Jay for the whole week, which was excellent. Yeah, he did tremendous. I mean, it helped that he lived overseas for a few years. So he had some experiences to draw from. But he just uh, had the perfect personality, just jumped in with both <laughs> feet. And I think you're right. It really gave him a picture. He saw all the the intent, all the the goals behind it that we were aiming for. So that, that was the perfect uh, opportunity for him. Yeah, for sure. And he'll talk some about his overseas stuff in the interview. And then one of the things when I listen to it that I just really zeroed in on me is kind of the way the way he shares his faith and the way he engages with with students in Albuquerque. Yeah, in a is the phrase I have is helping students realize that they're not saved, uh, coming from these cultural backgrounds, and then kind of how he transitioned and, and used that experience uh, in his role as an O-Week volunteer to help these students be ready to share their faith in a cross-cultural setting. So I think you guys will really enjoy it. And here we go. All right, let's do it. All right, Jay. So give me, give me a little bit of your background. Yeah, James. Um, so my wife and I were from Texas. We met and fell in love with campus ministry in Texas at the University of North Texas. Okay. So we were super involved at our BSM. Mm-hmm. I, I joke that I majored in BSM and I got a, <laughs> I minored in business. Uh-huh. So uh, yeah. And then when I graduated, went on staff at my BSM there, was there for two years. And then my wife and I through that time and through college felt called to missions. Mm-hmm. And so we did um, we did the thing where it's like, we found out, you know, you, we could go as a married journeyman couple. Uh, we didn't know uh-huh. that was a thing. Someone yeah. told us that. And so we, uh, a year after graduating, got married so that we could then go in a year overseas as journeymen. Okay. And so kind of our story with journeymen, I'm not sure if I've shared this with you before, but I had been doing campus ministry, you know, through college was a student leader was, you know, our like co-president of our BSM came on staff and we went to go be journeymen. We had no idea where we wanted to go. We didn't feel called to a specific place or specific people group. I just knew that I was ready for something new. Yeah. And in my sin, I thought like, oh, I'm ready to move on to something bigger and better than college ministry. Uh, so we went to Expo. I'm not sure what it's called anymore. But we went to Journeyman Expo. Uh-huh. And while we were there, we just saw so many jobs for yeah. campus ministry. I kept looking at like, okay, let's avoid those words. And let's look for like <laughs> church planting catalyst, right? That's the, that's the phrase, church planting catalyst. Um, but the Lord just really convicted us and just over and over reminded me of, you know, I love college students. Um, college students is a great mission field, whether you're in America or mm-hmm. overseas. And so we eventually got connected to a, a role, very unique role, um, not a role that most journeymen do, but I think because of our background and, and my wife and I had extensive like overseas experience before journeymen in like a short term capacity. Okay. As in like, Um, as in like trips when you're in college or before that, or. Yeah. I started going, I became a believer when I was like 17 Uh, in high school at a youth camp, love youth camp. Okay. And the next year I went on my first overseas trip to Latvia. Okay. Nice. Nice. So that was, let me, yeah. yeah. So let me, let me back up a little bit then. So did you grow up in a Christian home and like, it just came there or like you grew up, like, how'd you. Yeah. So so I, yeah, I grew up in a, in a very. Um, culturally Christian home. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. grew up in Texas. Everyone went to church. We were at a Presbyterian church growing up, and then we switched to the big First Baptist in town because it had the youth group. You know, <laughs> so uh, I'm the oldest of three. So by the time I hit junior high, my parents wanted me at a good have yeah. have other other Christian friends mm-hmm. at a bigger church, and so we went. We started going to First Baptist um, in our town in Richardson. Texas. And so started going to first Baptist Richardson and, um, loved it there. My parents still go there. My grandma goes there. My aunt and uncle still go there and my cousins. Um, um, but it was there where I really heard the gospel over and over again. My family, I think was really culturally Christian. Mm -hmm. I would say my parents are, are believers, but I think are young in their faith. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're, they're in their, they're older, there was a, just maybe a generation like their generation kind of wasn't discipled well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think they did their best Took right. us to church every Sunday, took us to youth camp, took us to youth group, all of it. Mm-hmm. And so it was at a youth camp one year where I realized I'd heard the gospel over and over and over, heard about Jesus, heard about my sins, heard about everything. It was at a youth camp where I was challenged for the first time. Maybe not the first time let's take that. Back. First time it, you caught it. First time I caught it. Mm-hmm. that, that I believed in Jesus, at least to a certain degree. Like I believed that he was a person. I believed what he did. I believed what he said, but it didn't mean anything to me. And so I think it was in high school at a youth camp when I was 17, that I realized that I was not a follower of Jesus. I think for the first time I realized, like I'd been calling myself a Christian, but I really wasn't. I was just one of the people who admired Jesus. I liked the things of Jesus. I liked what Jesus offered me. I liked coming to Jesus when life got hard, but that was it. You know, Jesus wasn't the Lord of my life. And so it was at that youth camp where I realized like I was not following Christ. He was not the Lord of my life. Um, Therefore, I never really repented of any sin or wickedness in my life. And uh, it was at that youth camp that I gave my life to Christ. And uh, shortly after that, my youth minister let me begin. He let me get up in front of my youth group on a Wednesday huh. night and share my story, my experience at yeah. camp, which, for him. you know, yeah, and yeah, you. not, yeah. I don't know if every youth minister would have done that. I swept through my shirt, you know, <laughs> getting up there for the first time talking in front of people. Um, I was, I was a relatively timid and shy young guy growing up. Uh-huh. That's funny so that was because- really that's not who you seem now at all. <laughs> yeah, it's not the Lord. The Lord's definitely changed me a lot. Like He's changed mm-hmm. my personality a lot. He's, and I think that's just a testament to like, He can change a heart. He gives me new desires. Mm-hmm. So before I was very, you know, very shy, very uh, didn't really care about other people, and I think the Lord flipped that upside down. And so, yeah, He let me speak for the first time. And shortly after, a year after that, going into college, I, I began to feel like I, I read the Bible for the first time as a senior in college or senior in high school mm-hmm. and fell in love with God's word. I remember reading Matthew for the first time after mm-hmm. coming to faith. And it was like, I had never, I was almost like I'd never read this before, mm-hmm. like words just coming off the page. Like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I've never seen this Jesus. I didn't mm-hmm. get it. Mm-hmm. I still very vividly remember that because I thought like, okay. I'm a believer. Where do I read? Where do I start? I guess I'll start with Matthew because it's at the beginning of the new Testament. So that's what Mm -hmm. I did. Yeah. So going into college, college was the first place I was really probably regularly discipled. Um, Did that start out as through an, through an upperclassman or through one of the staff members or one? Yeah. It started with an upperclassman. Yeah. So this is kind of a funny story. I tell this story to, to my, my students here at Christian Challenge all the time, especially coming into the beginning of the semester. I was a freshman. Um, I walked into our BSM building randomly one Tuesday afternoon in September. And I open the door, walk in, and a random dude hugs me, <laughs> which was weird. Yeah. I didn't know the guy, never seen the guy. But like in that moment, I think that's really what I needed. Hmm. He made me feel really welcomed. Uh-huh. And he invited me back that next Thursday. He said, hey, come this Thursday. We're going to go do evangelism in downtown Denton. And I was like, that's awesome. I've been kind of wanting to do anything like this. 
I've never done evangelism like this before, but I'll go. <laughs> so I went with him and we walked around the square downtown and talked to some people and tried to have spiritual conversations with them. And I, it was eye opening to me. Like mm-hmm. this guy I never met invited me to do this. And I was willing to say yes. And then he said that next day was our fall retreat. He said, Oh, come to fall retreat with us. And I was probably coming up. I was like, this is getting this is too, too <laughs> fast. This is too fast. <laughs> and I tried to come up with every excuse in the book to not go. And he said, I'll pay for you. I'll drive you. You, you literally just have to show up to the building and I'll get you there. Uh-huh. And I said, fine. Okay. And I went and I went to that fall retreat and I never looked back. I was hooked. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So early on, yeah, he was the first one. He read Galatians with me. The very first time I ever read Galatians was freshman year. That fall semester challenged me to memorize one verse, which I still know, which is uh, Galatians 2.20. And uh, and and the rest is history. Yeah. yeah. So it was an older student who greeted me, made me feel welcomed, you know, um, and t- took me with him everywhere he went. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, awesome. And so that was kind of my college career. Then eventually within a couple of years, I was doing that with students, uh-huh. you know, meeting uh-huh. a student on campus, inviting them to come and follow Jesus and uh-huh. take them with me. So uh-huh. yeah, tried to, tried to model, you know, what does discipleship look like? It's inviting people into your life, not just telling them information. So yeah, I thought that was my college. That was my college career. Yeah. Uh-huh. At RBSM. Yeah. Pretty awesome. So now we'll fast back forward. So you met your wife, you got married. Yeah. Now you're, now you're looking, you're going overseas. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so then, you, yeah, this is where I, I was like, I'm moving on to something bigger and better. Yeah. Yeah. In, in my arrogance. <clears throat> and so I was looking at all these jobs and the Lord just convicted us so much of, of, a, uh, uh, of we've always served college students. We love college students. We love this time. This time was impactful for us. And we found a job as on the training team. So we ended up serving in Nairobi, Kenya on the training team for Sub-Saharan Africa Affinity with IMB. And we were over, we were our job, we were the student strategists. So there may be a new title for that. I don't really know, Mm -hmm. but we were the student strategists for two years as there was like a transition from one career role person to the next career person. Um, and so we ran the student student trips for Sub-Saharan Africa. So world changers, Nehemiah teams, hands-on, we oversaw all of that for Sub-Saharan Africa. Okay. And then when we weren't doing that in our off season, off season, yeah. yeah, we were doing campus ministry at the university of Nairobi. Okay. So yeah. Awesome. What, what was that like uh, on the campus there? It was in some ways really sad. Like I tell people like my, my ministry at university of Nairobi in some ways was really sad because even more so than, you know, Texas campus significantly more. So like everyone just assumed they were believers. It was just so culturally Christian Mm. on the campus Mm. that many of my conversations was helping students realize that they were not saved. Mm. Mm-hmm. So that was in some ways a very sad, sad conversations. Yeah. But at the same time, it was awesome because I got to like disciple and minister and, and, and work with Kenyans who were saved, who were like being learning how to reach their own people. So I think that was like where all the fruit came. Like, mm-hmm. I think our ministry there was a big testament to Kenyans being able to reach other Kenyans better than I could. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would joke when we would have American teams come and join us for whatever reason, we would make them go do evangelism with us. I'd say, you're going to go out with your Kenyan, like a Kenyan college student. Mm-hmm. You being an American, all the Kenyans will want to talk to you. So you will get in the door, mm-hmm. but then just get out of the way and let your Kenyan college student talk. Uh-huh. And that became kind of in some ways our strategy. <laughs> I could get, I could get any student on campus to talk to me. Uh-huh. And then I would try to just get out of the way and let whatever college share. I had with me share. Uh-huh. It was way more effective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of what it was like. Yeah. I mean, we were mm-hmm. helping students there. A lot of them knew the Bible, but they didn't really had never really read it or never really understood how it applied to them. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I think there was a lot of bad teaching. So mm. we like correct. We tried to, I did a lot of correcting of teaching. I, I, I would go and speak to different churches or, or college groups about the prosperity gospel. I did mm. that a lot. So I, I ended up, you know, coming up with my own presentation lesson plan for prosperity theology and first the true gospel, you know? So mm-hmm. um, I did a lot of that. Um, yeah. yeah. So it was, uh, I, I would joke with the teams that, you know, evangelism in Africa, I think is like T-ball. <laughs> if you can't do it here, you can't do it anywhere. anywhere. Uh-huh. Everything here is spiritual. Everything happens for a spiritual reason. So it's super normal to have a spiritual conversation and it's super easy to get to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, how did you, how did you deal with the, uh, how did you get from the like, yeah, I'm a cultural Christian to like, actually, no, you're not. Um, like how did that transpire? Yeah, I think we would, I, I would always like ask their stories like, Hey, so what do you think it means to be a Christian or when, w- what makes you a Christian? And so I think we tried to ask lots of questions about that. And eventually it would come out that, Oh, well, my family's Christian. So I'm Christian. Mm-hmm. Or eventually it would come out that, you know, I prayed a prayer when I was eight mm-hmm. and eventually we would just, I would, I would try to like ask good questions about their life. So what makes you a Christian? Uh, what does your life look like since you became a Christian? Um, what does it mean to be a Christian? Is there a verse in the Bible that depicts like, what does a follower of Jesus look like? And so a lot of it came down to like looking at stories in the, in scripture. Mm-hmm. I would, I would tell like, I mean, but like what we did at OEEC, right. Training students to share stories and mm-hmm. to share Bible stories. <clears throat> That's all we did. You know, I would share story after story of Jesus interacting with people and looking at their response. So like when Jesus came into their life and transformed mm-hmm. their life, what was their response? The response for a lot of people was obedience and faith. Mm-hmm. Have you been obedient to Jesus? And most students would probably say no, you know, yeah. or, or I told the John three with Nicodemus, Jesus and Nicodemus story all the time. That was like maybe one of my go-to evangelism stories. Mm-hmm. Talk about, you know, the, the snake being held up on the stick that all who looked to it would be saved and healed. And I would ask students, have you really looked to Jesus for your salvation? And most students would say no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so like, I think they, they very similar to where I was growing up. Like right. they knew the information, uh-huh. they knew the story of Jesus. They knew, they knew the information. They knew Jesus and God loved them. They didn't really know how that played out well or how that played out in their, in their faith. Like I remember in their life, I remember having a conversation with a student and he said that, you know, God can't love him or he, he's not in a good relationship with God or he's not saved right now because he can't pay his tithe. I remember having mm. that conversation with a student <laughs> on campus. I don't know why I remember this one more than others, maybe because it was really like, he was really pointed. He was just like very matter of fact. Oh yeah. My uncle's a, a pastor and that's the church I go to. And I haven't paid my tithe in months, so I'm not saved. And I remember having a conversation with him about how just horribly wrong that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and so, so many of my conversations were like that. Yeah. Um, but it was a sweet, a sweet time to see Kenyan college students love the Lord and love their classmates and see the lostness. And I think by the end of our just brief two years, two years flies by. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To see our students, like some of them really fall in love with the Bible and scripture and the truth and mm-hmm. want their fellow classmates to know because they're all, they've all been deceived, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was kind of our ministry at UNM. Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, UON. UON. Yeah. Yeah. yeah University gotcha. of Nairobi. How do you think, and I don't know a lot about UNM, but how do you feel like, like dealing with cultural Christians in Kenya? How has that, how does that compare to dealing with cultural Christians here in UNEM or Texas or Oklahoma or. Yeah. I, I think 
Well, I think Texas, I think, well, maybe I'll just speak to here. So, you know, New Mexico, Albuquerque is really a heavy Catholic population. Mm-hmm. And so I think there is a lot of, like a lot of students that I meet, especially from a Catholic background, think they're, they're, they, they understand who Jesus is to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. They are probably more culturally Catholic or culturally Christian than actually followers um, and I think in some ways it's very similar of like Catholic, a lot of my Kenyan students, a lot of cultural Christians, I think understand like following Jesus. It's up to me to like do these things to please God. And that's like Catholic, that's what most of the Catholic students I mean, believe I have to do these things to earn grace with God, earn favor with God. And so a lot of it is, is with Catholic students and even with those Kenyan students is starting with like the gospel and the sweetness of Jesus. Like it's not your works that Jesus came to love you. He loved you despite your good works. And so our good works is a response. Our worship of God is a response to what Christ has done in our life, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. And so I think in some ways it, a lot of it's the same. Like, like I think it's translated relatively well. Like I use a lot of the same stories that I would use overseas with Kenyans. Mm-hmm. Because it's just a misunderstanding of scripture, which I think so many college students, especially coming from like cultural Christian background, mm-hmm. just misunderstand yeah. who Jesus really is, what he says and how we relate to him. Mm-hmm. So like, there's a guy in our ministry right now, he comes to all of our events. He's from a Catholic background. Um, I've had so many conversations with him and, you know, he would say he's Catholic. But then when I ask, are you a follower of Jesus? He says, no. So there's that disconnect. And so that's so common, I think. And so he's a, he's something, he's, he's someone, our staff, we pray for all the time, pray for this guy. He's going into his senior year now praying and he doesn't, he's Catholic, but he doesn't go to mass. He doesn't go to church or anything like that. Maybe on Easter Christmas, he'll go to mass, Mm -hmm. but like most people in Albuquerque, they, they're culturally christian but that doesn't mean like they don't do anything with that they just know the stories yeah to a certain degree yeah it's almost like they've been inoculated yeah so how do you get how do you get into spiritual conversations with them then i think the easiest way again yeah here you know america i don't think is as like we don't we're not as like spiritual as kenya but i think i've found students are not as like atheists as many people think I think a lot of students are more, if anything, agnostic. So they're willing to admit mm. that there's something mm-hmm. or they're just not sure. Mm-hmm. And being here in the Southwest, you know, spirituality and new age and all that stuff oh, yeah. is just becoming more and more popular. So I think one thing I like to do when I meet students is, you know, ask, you know, what's your background? What's your family like? You know, especially here, I don't have a problem with like, you know, oh, did you grow up Catholic? Like, I think that's a really common, like, okay, question to ask, or like, what's your spiritual background? Or, you know, one thing I've, I've been doing a lot now that I think about it is asking people like, what's your, what's your spiritual journey? Like, I think that's a really appropriate question to ask because our culture and post-Christian new agey, that's a, that's I think an appropriate question. Like, where are you at on your spiritual journey or your journey in life? is maybe even a better question, you know? So I think that's one thing that I use a lot with students. So like this guy, you know, that I, that, that's around here a lot, you know, I have a relation with him where I can ask him like, Hey, you know, how's your family? Uh, he has a, he has a sister. That's my daughter's age, which is kind of weird, but you know, yeah. Um, a uh, big family. And, uh, um, I'll ask, how's your summer? Um, how's your, you know, we missed you this summer. Did you attend mass at all this summer? What that, what's that been like? And so I, I, I think, I think for me, the bridge to spiritual conversations is just asking like their background, history, family, which is a big deal here. Family's a big deal. And, um, what's your spiritual journey like, or what, where are you at on your journey in life right now? Are you where you'd like to be? think is a really common thing you know i think like self-help yeah craze and um i think gen z are super aware that the world is broken that Mm. they are not perfect 
and culture tells them that there's all sorts of ways to fix yourself. But I think with Gen Z, they want to start with themselves. They don't want to start with other people. So it's all about themselves. And so how do I, how do I perfect my own life or how do I be a better version of myself? That's, you know, how do I be better tomorrow? That's mm-hmm. like the language. Mm-hmm. So I think asking people, you know, where are you at on your journey in life or your spiritual journey or, mm-hmm. and then I share lots of stories. I share my own story, which story. we talked about at O-Week. You know, right. I think, I think in a post-Christian, post-modern culture, stories, personal stories, there's, in a, I think in a post-modern culture, po- stories, personal stories can't be thwarted mm-hmm. because they're personal experience, which is where truth comes from in a post-modern culture. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think testimony, how do you, if I share with a student, oh, well, I met Jesus and he brought peace to my life. And since following Jesus life isn't easy, but it's good. Mm-hmm. You could experience the same Jesus, mm-hmm. right? They, they, you can't really, yeah. there's not much they can say to that. Uh-huh. Yeah. So their, their worldview has kind of locked them in that they have to accept that. Yeah. And they can ask questions. And like, I get students asking like, well, how can you trust the Bible? And then you get into those kinds of conversations, Mm -hmm. but I always try to take it back to Jesus. It's like, we can, you know, you know, I get talk to Catholic students. I'm not going to get into an argument with you about church history in the Catholic church. Let's talk about Jesus. Uh, uh You know, and again, everyone in Albuquerque, because Albuquerque isn't like, we're not like culturally Protestant, like Texas, but culturally Uh Catholic. Everyone knows Jesus, Uh you know? So I think, um, yeah, I think it's, 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 it's not, it's not weird. I don't think. Yeah. 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 He's the center part. Sometimes I think for myself, for sure, they were just more reluctant to talk about Jesus because we think the other party doesn't want to, or actually they'd be fine to, and it's only our own inhibitions, which is, you know, no doubt, no doubt part of the enemy strategies. Totally. So let's, let's talk about O week then. So you and, and one link, so you, you've been on UNM's the director of UNM, uh, Christian challenge for a year now, full of year, starting your second year, yeah. you jumped in at O week with us. Mm-hmm. What's that? What was that experience like? Well, so one of the, one of the draws I had to, to this position was that this ministry really pushed summer overseas trips, Mm. um, Mm -hmm. which I hadn't been a part of a ministry in America that did that. Uh, Like mm -hmm. my time in Texas, we, we pushed mission, we pushed uh, 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 mission trips, Mm -hmm. but that could be anywhere. It could be in, in our own town or overseas, but there wasn't, there wasn't really a big push for like international reaching the lost or, mm-hmm. or, or I shouldn't even say that, but like reaching unreached peoples. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. And so that was a big draw for me. I remember when I met with my staff the first time we spent like hours, them talking about student summer teams and one link, which at the time had zero context for, uh, they would talk uh-huh. and talk and talk. <laughs> and I had absolutely no idea what they were talking about. Uh-huh. Uh, and so I, from day one, that was like the most ex- thing they were the most excited to talk about. My staff was our summer teams, sending students overseas, talking about missions. Mm-hmm. That was like the number one thing we talked about. And so from day one, since I got here, we've talked about this thing called O week and sending teams trained through this. I was in some ways skeptical because after doing hands-on in our job in Kenya, where that's what we did for hands-on students. When they came to us, we would do a week-long orientation training, culture training, evangelism training. We would talk about storing, uh, safety, uh, security, uh, STS, all of it. And so I was a little skeptical. I was like, how can you do this in America? Yeah. You know, but I kept hearing about it, hearing about it, hearing about it. And so then I really wanted to make it a point to go to a week this year. And originally I was going to just do the director's track and I'm really glad I didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not that yeah. the director's track is bad, right? but personally, I'm really glad I went all in and volunteered mm-hmm. because I, 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 my, my skepticism was, 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 has been removed. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
my, I, I don't know if you could do a better training like this in America. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I just, I can't, I can't picture a better training for students without taking them to their country, right. Of mm-hmm. service. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just don't know how you could do it. And so, so my first experience was skepticism. Like, mm-hmm. is this really that good mm-hmm. to getting there and being like, you know, somewhat as a new volunteer, never being there, never having context for what's going on. Maybe mm-hmm. some, maybe some over being overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of information. There's a lot of culture. There's a lot of history here. A lot of people have a lot of thoughts and opinions and emotions about how the week should look and go. Uh-huh. But then by the end of the week, I, I, I got it. Like, I'm like, yeah, this day makes total sense. Uh-huh. Like why, why my, my staff were so on board with this, mm-hmm. why my staff love this, why my staff want to go every year to volunteer, why yeah. we send students through, through one link, even though for us being in Albuquerque, it's like a 12 hour drive. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's worth the drive. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. Those are my initial impressions. Yeah. yeah. Are you, are you able to articulate why, why it's good? What is it about it that makes it better than something else or better than what you pictured it would look like or. Well, I think, I think one is, you know, so, so, okay. So here, yeah. So when I went with IMB, we went through FPO. Mm -hmm. FPO is great. But when I went through it, it was nine weeks of classroom, which classroom is great, but it's not practical. Some of the content, you know, they would teach us is like, okay, use this. That's practical, but I never used it. I never practiced with it. And then by the time I get to Kenya and get through culture shock and get, you know, I'm overwhelmed and I forgot everything. Right. So I think the big thing was, is that it's not a classroom. I think that's the biggest thing. I think it's hands-on. I think it is very practical. It sounds to me like as students are learning and prepping for a week through the spring semester, they get to a week and immediately start using what they've been learning. I think so. One, I think it's not a classroom setting. It's, it's, it's completely hands-on. I think it's a safe place for students to like, learn to like learn and try and fail, which I saw that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and I just, I think it is, it, it is so detailed, Hmm. like everything about it about focus on is so detailed. There's a real culture. There's a real people. I mean, because it's a scenario, because it's dropping students into a world that is not what they're used to. It feels more real. You know, I think day one, a lot of the students are kind of like weirded out, like what's going on? Like, is this, am I supposed to be serious about this or not? But by like day two, by the end of day two, they're, they're in it, Mm -hmm. you know, they've committed and so I think that is super just helpful and unique. I, I've never seen a training like this, right? So like, you know, for us, when we would train hands-on students, they would come to us, we'd do similar things, not as not as big on a, not, not, not on a big scale, big scale like O-Week, which mm-hmm. I think again, because it's on such a big scale, you can do it really well. We would train students and send them immediately out to mm-hmm. talk to nationals, which can be super overwhelming and terrifying for some students, you know? Mm-hmm. I, so I just think I really, I think you, a week is so unique because it is all scenario based. It's a safe place for students to try and fail. It, it's great because they're learning how to do team before they get on the field. Mm-hmm. And as you know, teaming is a huge deal. Yeah. yeah. It's a way bigger deal than any of us realize. Yeah. Yeah. I'm beginning to think more and more, it may be the deal, maybe not the deal, but maybe like the second deal, you know, totally <laughs> behind abiding yeah. in Christ or something like that. But I think you're totally right. Team dynamics seem to affect so, so many things. Yeah. What? So, so I just, yeah. So go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I, no, I'm just going to keep repeating myself. I, thought, <laughs> I just, it's, it's unique. I've never seen anything like it. Like I've mm-hmm. never heard of anything like it to be able to do something on this scale one, it does take a lot of volunteers, which is amazing. Like the the, the number of people who are behind OE who support it. Mm -hmm. Like you have to have a lot of people who catch the vision and the passion to do Mm -hmm. it this well, you know? Um, And so, so one link has clearly done that. They've done a good job of 
maintaining alumni or maintaining relationships with churches or people who have gone through it before who see the vision, who want to come back year after year and serve students. Mm-hmm. And I think they come back and want to serve students because it is that good of a, of a, of preparing students to, to, to use their summer really well. Cause I think in, in the grand scheme of things, seven or eight weeks really isn't that long. Right. You know, right. I, you know, as a director, you know, I have to, I have to, you know, you know, students who are nervous about being gone for eight, eight weeks or seven weeks, you know, I have to be like, I have to show some empathy, right? Of like, yeah, yeah it's a long time. <laughs> it's not really that long, but, but I think uh-huh. if we want students to use those eight weeks really, really well, like let's, let's get them to the field and, and they land ready to serve. Yeah. I think a week does that. Very so. cool. Now, so you were, uh, you were, uh, played the role of a national this year yeah. in doing that. Uh, you can tell me a story or tell me your thoughts. What, what were you trying to do or what, what were you, what were you seeing God doing in students and how were you trying to work to move students and teams forward in their preparation? If that question makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, yeah, I was a national played a Muslim man named Muhammad and I think one of the big things I really saw God do or, or help really help students is just learn how, how do we, how do we share our faith and how do we have spiritual conversations like we were talking about without Christian Christianese, mm-hmm. you know, helping students like remember, I think even the testimonies, right. I think sharing testimonies is so sweet because it reminds ourselves of what Christ has done in our own life. Mm-hmm. And so you know, day one, we're standing around a campfire at night. You know, there I am, a Muslim man, and a student walks up and just wants to start talking about Jesus being the son of God. Mm-hmm. Big red flag. You don't do that. <laughs> Not day mm-hmm. one, at least. Mm-hmm. And so to see then by the end of the week, I mean, I really did see some of the students that we worked with, like sharing their heart and soul and sharing hard stories. Mm-hmm having a student use his story of like having a really bad relationship with his earthly dad, but having a really sweet, godly, beautiful relationship with his heavenly father. Right. Mm -hmm. And he shared that with me by the end of the week. Mm -hmm. Like those are, those are moments where I think students begin to get it. Like what they're going to do is have real relationships with real people Mm -hmm. who have family, who have jobs, who have maybe kids who are on a spiritual journey themselves, mm-hmm. who struggle with sin. I think that was a really beautiful thing to see students begin to shift from dumping out information, which most mm-hmm. of us, a lot of our students, they know the information. Yeah. How do we help them share it in a way that is digestible for someone who is not from their background, does not speak the same language? How do we make it simple, mm-hmm. you know, but still the gospel powerful. is powerful. So, yeah. So I yeah. think, I think that was really a sweet, sweet moment from like these guys day one, you know, who, uh, you know, just to tell you a story, like, you know, this guy who, who poured his life and his soul out to me, like the last day talking about how much God loves God, the father loves him mm-hmm. day one me and another national were standing with him and his team and we were all joking and laughing. And one of them, you know, brings up Jesus and as a national and they start talking about stuff. And we say, I don't know what you're talking about. You're talking. So you're talking so fast. And they're like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I will be slower. And then somehow we got to like, this one guy was really slow. He's not very fast, but in real life, athletically, he is very slow. And then we got to the point, oh, you look like Lionel Messi, the famous soccer player. (laughs) And then he said, yeah, but I'm not fast like Messi. Remember, I'm really slow. So I'll try to talk slowly like I run. Uh And eventually we got to the point to where we started calling him Fat Messi. No idea (laughs) why. Somehow me and this other national, we got to that. And that became a joke for the rest of a week. You know, so whenever Uh we would see this student, the student's super sweet, awesome guy. Uh We would joke about him being Fat Messi. Uh-huh. And, uh, but by the end of the week, he got it sharing his life, his story, sharing mm-hmm. Christ in a way that was digestible. So I think that was the one, maybe one of the sweetest, sweetest things was seeing students have a love for us as nationals by the end of the week. 
mm-hmm. real relationships with the nationals by the end of the week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really connecting. Yeah. And you built, correct me if I'm wrong, you built your character based on a lot of the people that you'd known in Kenya, kind of a. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. So I, I, it was very, I was a very African, like East African Muslim guy. Mm-hmm. So it's again, very culturally Muslim, which mm-hmm. a lot of Muslims are mm-hmm. very culturally Muslim would defend my faith, but didn't really know anything, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. which I saw in Kenya, you know, yeah. I, I yeah. sometimes knew more about Islam than the person I was talking to. Yeah. So I was very ignorant and, and, and very fun and very warm and very relational because mm-hmm you know, Muslims are warm, relational people. And so I tried to, I tried to be that, not this like standoffish kind of, um, yeah. What, what maybe our American culture depicts as a Muslim, like uh-huh. mean, I was really warm, really friendly, very loud, uh-huh. very welcoming, open to spiritual conversations, asked lots of spiritual questions because of, me being maybe more African mm-hmm. uh, as an African Muslim, like, uh, like one night, the, the night there was one night, you know, we had the blood moon or the, the, this thing oh, yeah. was like glowing red. You remember yeah. that? That was crazy. So I went up, I went up to a couple groups and this was like day two. So they were still getting used to it. And I would walk up to them and I would be like, Oh, you see the, the blood moon just there. You think, uh, Allah is angry with us. And they'd be like, uh, I'd be like, you think of the, the moon is a sign. Allah is trying. He's angry with us. Maybe he's trying to, he will, he will spill blood because he's, uh, he's furious with how we are as people or I don't know, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so I just remember having some fun conversations with students like that, but, but yeah, I tried to be very yeah, but warm, welcoming spiritual conversations, ask real questions, mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. Well, I thought you did a great job. One of my stories that I took away from the week, I was talking with Ablesh, and he was saying, you guys both, you're walking together, and I think the students were, maybe you can tell the story, the students were, were coming earlier than planned. Mm. And uh, one of you looked at the other one and said, uh, what do we do? And he said, I don't know, it's my first week, first time at O-Week. And the other guy's like, what? It's my first time at O-Week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So no, no idea. And then I think you're solved it by throwing a dance party, something like that. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think so. I think, you know, again, being from, I think a lot of cultures are more fun Mm -hmm. and willing to dance and be maybe to us goofy, Mm -hmm. but it's just a part of culture. So yeah, we probably, we threw, we threw many dance parties. Yeah. 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 Or music would come on. And of course, we're going to dance to it while we wait, right. you know, uh-huh. right. I think that was the day maybe we were, there was like a celebration day. And so music was playing. And of course, yeah. Why do we not? We just, uh-huh. we, we don't need to talk. We don't need to stand here. Let's, let's, yeah. let's, let's move yeah. and do something, you know? So trying to create, yeah, that, like that communal culture uh-huh. of we're together, let's do this, you know? And so. Yeah, it was fun. It was a fun as a national. I had a blast. It was mm-hmm. super fun. Yeah. I would do it again in a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I, I hope you do next year. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. What, having, having gone through a week now or like kind of, and you've, your team's gone now they've come back. How will, how, if any, will it adjust how you recruit students to future trips? How will it adjust your strategy of, of, continuing or continue to build a culture of like this focus and emphasis on overseas? Yeah, I think one, and this is, I think something you guys really promote, but our ministry does is we have like, a, we, 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 we don't go to this. We don't go to different places every year. We send mm-hmm. the, we send students the same team every year, which I think is one thing one link prioritizes. Like mm-hmm. these are people M's, posts that we trust that we want to send students to and we want to send students to the same team because it's strategic because students fit their plan because they can utilize students and so i think that's one one thing going through o week and knowing one link and our ministry here that seems really valuable 
sending students to the same teams every year. But then I think also, so I think that helps with building a culture of, of, of overseas is like, we sent this team last year. Let's get them up here to talk about their time. You could be the next group that goes to serve those same people next year. And so this year, for instance, we had a girl who she went last year to North Africa and she went again this year. And she was able to connect with friends that she knew last year that Mm. she met. And those people, those friends were really cold last year. But when she came back, it opened up so many doors. Mm. And she said they were like different people. Like it Uh. it was a different relationship because she had gone back. And so even stuff like that, where I think being able to use that and the idea of like, we send students to the same place to, with the, to work with the same host every year, mm-hmm. you could be the next link in the chain, right? So, but then also I really think that I, I now have an understanding of the training that happens. And so I think for maybe some students and, be, and also because I work with a lot, like we, we host a, a parent brunch. A lot of schools oh. may not do this. Uh-huh. We, we host a parent brunch in the spring for all students who are going overseas so that their parents can come and ask questions mm-hmm. mainly because our students live at home with mom. Ah. You know? <laughs> so mom, mom's concerned about sending yeah. their daughter to North Africa. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I think now that I've gone through the full cycle and done a week and seen how our students go and come back. And I think I can more confidently say to parents and to students who maybe have, who are weary or not weary, uh, wary, weary that the training is more than enough. Mm. Like you're, you will be prepared when you land. It may be overwhelming. You're going to have culture shock. Mm -hmm. Can't get around that. But when it comes to interacting with nationals, when it comes to sharing your faith, when it comes to storing, when it comes to all of these things, teaming, you will be ready. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think part of that is like, even also like, I think I have the ability now to speak more confidently about it, mm-hmm. especially to students where this last year, I was like, yeah, you guys should go <laughs> through one link. And that's what we're going to do because we've always done it. But there's a reason we've always done. It, I just haven't seen it. And now yeah, yeah. I think I can join in and speak confidently about the preparation, you know, mm-hmm. not to, not to speak to other sending programs, right? but I've just seen some summer teams the training is not as good and the summer is really bad. Not mm-hmm. that that happens with one link teams totally. Right. Right. But, but I just think there's something about this training is just different. And so I think I have the ability now to speak more confidently about like you going, you will be, you will be ready by the time you land, wherever you're going, you will be ready for what God has called you to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That will be really sweet. And uh, yeah. yeah, we appreciate you guys so much. I know yeah. your whole staff. We had a lot of your staff represent. I don't know how many staff you have, but we had at least three of you at O Week, one on a team. But uh, yeah, we, yeah, all we were all there. Yeah, there all five of us. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's number four. I, who's, who's number five? Who am I missing? So yeah, Wyatt was on a stat, was on a team. Yeah. Megan was a group leader. Yeah. Gail so, was a polis. Gail. I was okay. a national. And then Sophia was a national. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Well represented, sir. New Mexico. Totally. New Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. And they loved yeah. it. So now, yeah, they can't always go every year, but it was a fun year for all of us to go and to drive. And it was sweet. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, we're praying hopefully this next year to send two teams. That's our, that's our prayer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Send two teams. Hopefully one back to North Africa and maybe one to Central Asia. Depends mm-hmm. on how things shake out yeah. there. You know, yeah. things are getting a little dicey there. Yeah. Yeah. They are. But but yeah, yeah we have partners there now. Um yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, I'll pray that with you. And uh yeah. any any last thing you want to throw on before I shut this down? Um I just I it's all going to be re- re- uh, <laughs> repeating what I've said. I just don't think there's a better training. Yeah. Everything I've seen, all the students I've interacted with, I just don't think there's probably a better training. Like you're not going to find a better training. I think in, in stateside, 
you know, could, could, you know, like the IMB, they train their people. You can do like a real training overseas, like when someone gets the country, Uh but that's just not feasible with a summer team with students. Yeah. So why not send them to a week, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't see a better, I don't see a reason not to. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, we appreciate that. Well, another great interview, James. Uh, You know, you never know when you're getting a new director in one of these campuses that we work with, you know, are they still going to have the same heart to send students overseas and be involved in missions? And I think we, we hit a home run when Jay took the job down at UNM. So really exciting to hear from him. Yeah, I was as well. I love that ministry there and all all, all New Mexicans are great people, Brad. That's what I like to say. <laughs> I, I figured you had a special connection there. That's right. James. That's right. The, we, the few, the proud, the New Mexicans. Yes. That's right. We swap a secret green chili handshake and we all know that, that we're one of the cool clubs. There you go. There you go. Good deal. So we appreciate you guys. Hope that's helpful. I hope that uh, helps and encourages you guys uh, in your sharing of your faith. I know that's something I'm always trying to work on and grow myself is uh, learning to engage people better, uh, helping them realize where they're at, and hopefully moving moving towards Jesus all the time. And one more thing, if you enjoyed this O-Week Stories and you have an O-Week Story that you think would be good to share, uh, reach out to me. We are in the process of collecting O-Week Stories. So whether that's from when you went through O-Week or whether that's you as a volunteer being an O-Week, reach out to me. You can get us at james at onelinkinternational.org. Yep, absolutely. Well, we will catch you next time on the One Link Podcast. All right, y'all have a great day. Bye.